0: Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Engaged Church Podcast. Uh, my name is Brett. I'm so excited that you're along for the ride with us. Uh, buckle up. Here we go. Brave face, game face, week three. Uh, so let's dive right into this. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, great. Daniel chapter two, starting in verse one. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. He demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. By the way, they responded to the king in a different language as if to say, listen, we're the smartest people in the room. Recognize us. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. That is what you call a tough day at the office. (laughs) Tell me my dream. Tell me what my dream was last night and tell me what it means. We're in the midst of this uh, conversation called Brave Face Game Face, and for those of you who are just joining us today, we spent the last couple weeks diagnosing a brave face for uh, For our intents and purposes of this conversation today. The brave face is the face that we put on when we're pretending. The brave face is, is the mask that we wear when we walk outside the front door of our house, and we want everything to look like things are okay, that everything's all right, that we've got it all put together, we've got it all figured out, that nothing's wrong, our kids are perfect, our marriage is perfect, our life is perfect, you know, we just think that things are great. We want everyone to think that we are rolling and everything's okay. It's It's the mask that we put on, and if we're being honest, it's the same mask that most of us put on every single time we walk out the front door. In one way, it's the way we've been conditioned by our society to behave. But for today, I want us to focus on something else. I want us to turn the corner, start talking about something that I would like to call the game face. Turn to somebody and say, game face. Now, the game face is an interesting thing. I thought in, in, in the light of honesty and uh, context that I would share with something with you that I have uh, been officially diagnosed uh, with something that is known as expressive face syndrome. All of the emotions come through my eyebrows, (laughs) and they come out my eyes, and that's great when I'm up here, but it is not great in everyday life when I'm supposed to be sitting in a meeting listening politely, and when everyone else is nodding along, and I'm the person going... You know, if the eyebrows start moving, you know that there's a problem because I'm like, I can't keep them under control. So even when I'm entirely composed, I'm just like flickering on the eye, eyebrow. I can't keep it together. But today, uh, the game face is the face that we live from when we are more concerned about moving forward than we are about the past. The game face simply stated is the face that we put on because uh, that we don't need to put on because we were born with it. It's your beautiful face and it's the face that we walk out the front door and we say no matter what comes my way. No matter what's coming for me, no no matter what comes against me, I know who I'm following. I'm following Jesus, and Jesus, as it says in Colossians, is the visible image of the invisible God. He's the God who spoke this whole world into existence, so when I walk out my front door, the only face I'm putting on is the game face that says, I'm ready to face whatever you've got to come at me. Come at me, bro. I'm ready. That's the game face. It's the face that is obsessed about living in the future and moving forward. Like uh, Paul says in Philippians 3, I forget these things, uh, uh, the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead. We look forward to what lies ahead. We realize that we're not defined by the things that we struggle with. We are not the things we struggle with. Rather, we are exactly who Jesus Christ made us to be, who he called us to be, who he destined us to be, and it's our job when we take off the brave face and we start living from the game face to just move forward one step at a time following Jesus and allowing him to extract the gold that he's placed inside of us out. Because the only person that knows me better than me is the person who created me. His name is Jesus, and he's got an incredible plan, purpose for you, and he wants to extract that gold out of you. Daniel chapter 2, verse 8. King Nebuchadnezzar has this insane dream. He's terrified. He's rattled he calls together the chief of all advisors, every, you know, every science, pseudoscience, anyone who could come and soothe his soul, he calls them and says, look, listen, I am desperately looking for answers. If you don't give me the right answer, I'm going to kill you. But please give me, give me some answers. This is they the, and so they're trying to like figure this out. They're like, okay, well, just tell us what the dream was. And we're happy, we're happy to interpret it for you. And, and Nebuchadnezzar says, no, I'm tired of your manipulation. I'm tired of your self-serving ways. I'm tired of the, for lack of a better phrase, BS, I'm tired of all this stuff that's coming out of your mouth. I'm looking for some truth because my soul is deeply upset. In verse 8, he says, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind, but tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. Ah, pressure. Verse 10. The astrologers replied to the king. No one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream." and they do not live here among the people. Verse 12, the king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon, everyone who worked, so essentially to give you some context, you know, uh, Edmonton is a government town. There's 11,000 employees that work for the city of Edmonton. Uh, Anyone who was in the upper middle management were to be killed in this moment because the king was mad. So if we were to just put this in Edmonton terms, the king ordered the death of 5,000 bureaucrats because nobody was willing to tell him the truth, tell them his dream. You're like, tough day at the office. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation like only no, Daniel knows how, with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, "Why has the king issued such a harsh decree?" So Arioch told him all that happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream. Meant. Now, for those of you who are trying to track along with us, Daniel and his uh, merry crew, which I like to call Team Daniel, Daniel squatted up. He's got Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were all taken captive when their nation was conquered. Israel was conquered by Babylon. They were... Offered a deal that you basically couldn't refuse to go for a full ride scholarship to the best uh, college. The king's college to be trained in his ways to eventually work in his court. They were offered to live in the palace and eat all of his food. I mean, sounds like a dream, like literally living the dream. Daniel and his crew took a little different path. They said, we'll come, but we're not going to embrace your new identities that you're putting on us with our new names. Which is week one. We're not going to give up parts of who we are and what we believe and what we love and who we serve to worship you. That was week two. In week three, Daniel and his boys are about to die. Flashback one chapter, chapter one, verse 18. At the end of their graduation, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the other magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. So Arioch, the, the chief of the king's guard, goes to kill all the wise men. Daniel says, listen, give me, give, take me to the king. I, ne- I need to talk to him. They take him straight to the king. And Daniel offers something that no other consultant or advisor could offer this king or this leader. He says, instead of saying, oh, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it, Daniel just has one simple request. Just give me a little bit more time. I'll get your answer. Just give, just, just, just give me a little bit more time. King's like, well, every time you've come before me, I find you to be 10 times more effective than anybody else. I can give you one day. Fine. We'll, We'll delay. We'll, you know, we'll get a little bit more work done in the bureaucracy for one more day. Immediately, Daniel goes back to the guys, back to the Brothers, in verse 17, he said, went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the pressure so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Now, do we have any procrastinators in the house? any procrastinators? I am a grade A procrastinator, which is, it's a miracle that I made it through uh, college, uh, because, I mean, for me, I don't think you get a participation medal for doing things in advance. Like, just because I'm playing, if there's a deadline, as long as it's there by the deadline, that's good for me. I mean, C's get degrees, and so let's just, uh, just kidding. (laughs) It took a minute, but you're, you're fine. But can I tell you, there's no better deadline than being dead the next day if you don't get the right answer. And so Daniel and and the guys, they did what all of us Christians normally do begrudgingly. They said, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. And they started praying. But I think you pray a little different when your life is on the line, when you're literally about to die the next day, if there's no miraculous answer. You see, they took a posture with their lives that said, you know, we don't know the answer, but we know somebody who does. We don't know the answer, but we know somebody who does. Verse 19, that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision, most likely while he slept. And Daniel praised the God of heaven. He started singing. They had a praise party. They're like, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh. You thought that was a new song. It's an old one. They started singing and rejoicing and celebrating just like you would have a breakdown dance party if you found out you weren't dying tomorrow. They started just like, thank God we are not dying tomorrow. Verse 24, we'll pick up the narrative. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Just take me to the king and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I've found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. No, Daniel found him, but fine. Details. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream is? Means. Listen to this, Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you laid in your bed. In just one moment, God told Daniel the king's dream and the interpretation of a dream. When I'm, uh, you know, searching the internet, you know, probably, you might do this too while you're pretending to work and you're just kind of scrolling through Facebook. There's always those articles that like pop up that are like, four ways to change your life in 20 minutes. And you're like, I got 20 minutes. So you click the article and you're like, number one, set an alarm for when you should go to bed so you can get a good night's sleep. You're like, Okay, I guess that sounds pretty standard. Number two, set an alarm so you wake up at the right time in the morning. You're like, okay, <laughs> off to a good start, I guess. Number three, Drink orange juice, not coffee, and you're like, nope, next article, not going to work for me. Skip on to the next thing. You, we, we get baited by these like, things to click on all the time. These quick fixes are going to change our lives. It's like, it's like, hey, three minutes to lose weight. And Trust me, I tried it. It did not work. Like, it's, there's no shortcuts in this life, but today I want to talk about this, this idea simply of how to 10 times your life. How to 10 times your life. King Nebuchadnezzar found Daniel and Team Daniel, Squad Daniel. He found them to be 10 times more capable. How can I be 10 times more capable in every area of my life? You're like, oh, this seems like clickbait. It's not clickbait because it's based in the Bible and it's true. This is how you 10 times your life. If you're ready to say, I'm ready, this is how to 10 times your life. First thing you do is you put your game face on. You're like, this is a bait and switch. Yes. This is how you put your game face on. Number one, if you're taking notes, be honest. You're like, this feels like a clickbait article. No, because the number one thing that you could do to transform your relationships is to be honest. Have you ever been in that meeting where that person is just talking and you can tell that they're thinking as the words are coming out of their mouth and they're not doing that well? And all they're doing is blowing smoke and puffing and talking. And you're like, why are you still talking? Why do you feel like you need to be communicating in the space? Have you ever met that person who you could tell that they're looking around at everybody else in the room instead of talking to you because they don't actually care about you. You're just a placeholder of their time until the next more important person comes around. Have you ever had that encounter? Have you ever been in that moment where you feel like you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people who are going through a whole bunch of motions, trying to make everybody else in the group feel good, but you have no idea why anyone's doing it? See, the most refreshing thing that you can bring to your everyday life, to your family, to your marriage, to your spouse, to your kids, to your relationship, to the office, to your job, is to be honest. Is to be who you are. God didn't create you to be somebody else. He created you to be you. So why are you dressing up and pretending to be somebody else? Why are you puffing all that smoke out of your ears and, if we're being honest, out of your ears trying to impress somebody else? Or you could just be the person you were created to be. And in a moment when the situation seems impossible, when the odds seem insurmountable, you could be honest and say, I don't know the answer to this question, but I know somebody who does. I know somebody who does. This is what the book of Proverbs says about our honesty levels. To do what is right in Proverbs 21 And just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. You could try and make a big splash to impress God by selling all your cars and selling your houses and giving all your money away and doing all those things. But you know what the Lord values more? He finds delight in those who do what is right and just. Be a person of integrity. Proverbs 14 says, an honest witness does not lie. A false witness breathes lies. Have you ever been near that person? It's like I can't trust a word that you're saying. Proverbs 12: The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy. Wow, that's refreshing. That's an air of, of that's fresh air blowing into the room. That's fresh air blowing into the room. Proverbs 24:26: An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. I guess in this day and age, we should be clarify and say. An honest answer is like a consensual kiss on the lips. Paul strikes at the heart of the matter, Ephesians 4. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. elephant in the room is that we all think we're honest to a certain degree and the one polar extreme is that you want to just be honest about everything and so you want to take the filter out of your heart and your mind and just blow up over everybody but as timothy keller says honesty without grace without love is sheer brutality Is speak the truth in love. You cannot be honest without love. We are honest for a purpose. We're honest for a reason. We're honest for a reason. We get. We find ourselves in these situations and in these moments where. We're, we're in the thick of it. We're in over our heads. We're in an impossible moment. We're, we're, we're stuck. We're trapped. We're, just, we're on lockdown and we don't know how to get out. And it, we just go into this like panic mode where we just start hiding because it's the only thing that we know how to do because we don't know the answer. We don't know the way out and what we start doing just by default by by human nature is instead of leaning into our community into our our families into our friends instead of leaning into Jesus you start withdrawing and you say I'm just going to I'm just going to hunker down here I'm going to stay here I'm going to I'm going to hide it out I'm going to wait it out and you start pulling back and you start pulling back from other people in relationships and then you start getting mad on the other side. You're not just sad. You're mad because people are leaving you alone. You're like, how come nobody's asking me what's wrong? How come everyone's leaving me? How come everyone's abandoning me? How come nobody is around? And I just ask this question. Did you ever let anyone know that you were in the worst moments of your life? How come you don't know these things? How come you didn't tell me? We're a family. That's what the church is. It's supposed to be a family. We're supposed to be honest. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of one body. If one part of our body is struggling, then guess what? We're all struggling, because we're all in this together. So if you want to know how to 10 times your life, how to, how to move your life forward, this is just the first step. I don't, I'm out of time for the rest, but we'll pick it up next week. But the honest truth is, Bring in a breath of fresh air. Be honest. If you're struggling, be honest. Be honest. Be honest. Be honest. honest. Tell somebody. Don't blame somebody. Tell somebody. How can we help you if we don't know? How can you help yourself if you're not willing to reach out, take down the walls? like That takes trust. Out of your day uh, to listen to Brave Face, Game Face Week Three message called Riddle Me This. Remember, you can get caught up on this uh, collection of talks by listening on iTunes or SoundCloud or website, EngagedChurch.ca. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear what God is doing through you. Uh, so send us an email, hello, at EngageChurch.ca. That's all from me. Have a great week. We're going to see you right back here next week. Engage City Church Podcast.